Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. Hello. Today's episode is such a good one. It's real, it's honest, it's raw. And so we're talking about teaching English in South Korea. And I'd love to introduce you to today's guest. Nikki Brogan is a former elementary school teacher that taught in South Korea for three and a half years with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Studio Art and Design and a minor in Business. She was responsible for educating grades three through six, which is over 700 students per week, as well as organizing weekend teaching programs. Although the role was incredibly life-changing, Nikki knew it was time to return to the U.S. this past February 2022 to start the next chapter of her life. And currently she's producing two podcasts, Anime Go and Melanin Muses. She's also building her art portfolio, designing her own website and building her career as a voice actress among many other projects. So without further ado, here is today's interview. Hello and welcome back to another awesome interview episode of the Travel Possibilities podcast. I am here with my guest, Nikki. Welcome to the show. And I'm going to hand it over to Nikki to introduce ourselves, herself. So why don't you tell us about yourself and your background? <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. I'm excited. Um, so my name is Nikki and I hail from the city of brotherly love. For those of you who do not know, Philadelphia. <laughs> and where we cheesesteaks, water ice, you know, the whole gist. Um, and I'm 30 years old and I am a creative through and through, meaning ever since I was little elementary school, I've been drawing, writing, dancing, singing. It's just an inherent part of who I am and I haven't grown out of it. So this wasn't a phase, mom. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've I went to college and got a degree in Bachelor of Fine Arts and Studio Art and Design with a minor in business. I also studied abroad in Korea in 2012. Yeah, that, that actually prompted one of my decisions to go back. Um, I studied Korean business as well as some martial arts while I was over there. It was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> and I'm also a nerd. I'm a very big nerd of reading, but anime, animation, anime, Disney, anything animation, I'm a total nerd about, which is what inspired me to actually get into art in the first place. And yeah, it's, those are the basic overall key points of my life that really tie into why we're here today talking about teaching abroad. Amazing. So yeah, you said a few things. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, it's starting to make sense. But why don't you take us back to when you first graduated? Like, what were you thinking in terms of career and moving forward in that area of your life? I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Um, <laughs> like many people, exactly. I got my degree. It's, like, it's important to say mean? it. <laughs> yes, y'all. So for y'all who are who are just listening and you're about to graduate and things like that, and you don't know what you want to do with your life, it's perfectly normal. You don't have to have it figured out now. Like it's perfectly okay. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel embarrassed. 
it's perfectly normal not to know what you want to do because that's literally what happened to me I graduated I got my degree I'm like okay I got my paper what do I do now <laughs> you know um especially as an artist what oh, this all we're told is starting artists what do we do so I worked at a library uh <laughs> got an art degree and then went immediately to the library uh, I started working in the children's departments and I was like do I even like children I don't know let's find out <laughs> And what's the verdict? <laughs> the verdict is it, it depends on the age of the child. And I like it when they're not your own because you can always give them back at the end of the day. I hashtag auntie. <laughs> auntie <laughs> but, I don't get me wrong, I love kids. But I well, while I was working at the library, I was like, oh, they're they're kind of cute little humans, uh, waddling up to the front desk and holding up the book, like, book, please. I'm like, oh, I just kind of want to pinch your face. Just don't get snot on me. <laughs> And how long were you working at the library? Ooh, I was there for on and off throughout the years because I basically grew up in there. My my mother works at the library. Um, so I basically, I grew up in a library, but I was actually working there after college from 2015 to 2018. So in 2018, August 2018 is actually when I left to go teach in Korea. So when I graduated to when I left, I was at the, at the library. Okay, awesome. So can you walk us through that decision? What prompted you to want to go back to Korea? What prompted you to want to start teaching? Give us the whole background. Okay, to be honest, I hated school growing up. <laughs> to be frank, I hated school. I used to pretend to be sick so I didn't have to go um, because I was bullied a lot. I, I, I hated school and like, you know, popular girls, popular boys, all that type of stuff. I was a nerd before anime became cool. <laughs> so it I think it's ironic that the universe is like oh you hate school well we're gonna make you face that trauma by making you a teacher <laughs> <laughs> um so when they say everything comes around in circles it's it's very very true so uh my very first time in Korea I was there for four months and it was honestly a challenging experience there was a lot of things that went wrong uh it there was just a lot of drama <laughs> there was more bullying from the program I was in and it was just it was crazy uh toxic relationship that uh, long distance relationship with my partner back home at the time so all of that really made my first experience pretty bad and by the time I came back to the states I'm like you know I feel like I was ripped off I wanted to have a really good experience my health was failing me the relationship was failing me just all this nonsense I need a redo I want to do over like this is not okay so the next couple of years, the next six years, I'm just like, what do I do with my life working at the library? And each year is like, I want to go back to Korea, but it doesn't feel like it's the right time. Like, you know, in your gut when it's not the right time. So every year I was like, wait, not yet, not yet, not yet. And it was a passing thought, but I still liked K-pop at the time. I still liked Korean dramas at the time. So I kept listening to Korean and maintaining what I learned. And then they say when life hits the fan and it's time for you to move on, if you don't do it yourself, the universe will make you move on. Well, that's exactly what happened. Um, and I was like, yo, I want to go back to Korea. I feel like it's going to be time next year, but how do I actually get there? And I stumbled upon the concept of teaching. Like, but I, I can't, I'm okay with kids, but how do I even know I'll like them enough to teach them? So I found these two companies online where I could teach English to children in China. So I was like, hey, well, let me try doing this to see if I even like teaching. Tried it in the fall of 2017. And I'm like, this is okay. Um, 
I was up at like 4 a.m. every day and I was like, oh, this, is, this is okay, I guess. And then going into 2018, at the beginning of the year, I think it was in April, an old high school friend of mine messaged me. She's like, hey, I saw that you teach online or whatever. So our third grade teacher got fired. We need a substitute to fill out, like fill into the end of the year. Can you do it? I'm like, or? Uh, I don't have a degree in teaching. How am I supposed to do that? She's like, you don't need a degree in teaching. Like, you just you just have experience. You have experience. I'm like, huh. At first, I was going to decline. I was like, wait, if I want to go teach in Korea, duh, this is a perfect opportunity to be in the classroom to see what happens. Thank you, universe. I, I apply. I get hired on the spot on a Thursday. I start that fr- next day, that Friday, to shadow the substitute teacher who was there. And then that Monday, they put me by myself. Yeah, girl. And let me tell you. Let me tell you, I had to teach all the subjects from science, math, social studies, religion, uh, English language, all eight, nine subjects plus gym class. Oh my God. And it was like half of them I had to reteach myself the day before and then re- and teach the kids. It was a crazy experience, but you know what? It was so rewarding because those kids tested me so much. They tested me. But it was only because they were fed a narrative that they pretty much emulated because they were told they were terrible kids. They were told they were a terrible grade by other teachers. So that's who they became. I'm like, uh-uh, we're not doing this today. And that actually made me realize how much I really enjoyed what I did. Not necessarily the teaching part, but the connecting with the kids aspect. Uh, so that's why I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this is a, this is what I'm going to do. So I applied for EPIC, the teaching program in Korea, government governmental program, and that caused a lot of drama in my life from family, from the relationship I was in. They're like, you can't do that. You're selfish. You're a brat. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're never going to do that. This is not even important. It's just a lot of stuff. And it got so much that I actually withdrew my application. And yeah, I sent that email. I remember sitting at my desk at work. I was working four, one, two, three, four jobs at the time. The two online teaching programs, the physical school, and I was working at the library all at once. So I was up from like 4 a.m. to almost 1 a.m. for like a while because I was just grinding and hustling. And I remember sitting at my desk at at school and I withdrew the application and I just felt so empty. I felt like just no purpose anymore. The moment I sent that email, I was like, oh, dear Christ, like, what am I going to do? Like, I there people I care about are fighting me so much on this. Am I really that bad of a person for wanting to do something different? And I remember messaging my father when we were just starting to get back into connection. I'm like, hey, I don't know what to do. Like, this is what's happening. Like, what do I do? And he's just like, you know what? If this is something that's meant for you to do, put your application back in. And if they accept it and you pass, you're meant to go and make the decision then. But if you aren't accepted, then that proves it wasn't meant for you. So just give it a shot. That's all you can do. So I resubmitted it. They accepted it. And about a month or two later, I was on the bus going to my ex-partner's house and I got the email saying you've been accepted and you're going to x y and z city and I'm like oh my god and then I yoloed as like you know what screw y'all y'all can be mad at me I'm going to Korea (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness there's so much there to unpack so okay first of all which city did you go to Ulsan okay cool and I'm trying to decide what we should talk about first I want you to tell us more about the epic program but first like you're like, okay, screw y'all, I'm going to Korea. But like, I'm sure it felt a little bit deeper than that. Is that really how you brushed off those emotions? Or like, did it affect you down the line? And how did you deal with it? It it really did affect me because I 
had to, it was predominantly those closest to me. Um, like I was lucky enough to have my best friend who was supportive, but the partner I had and even like my, my, uh, my mother and some other people at the time, cause like a, a close relative just died and all of that as well. So people were just, emotions were high and I've always kind of been told, well, you can't do anything. You never finish things. You It's like all this toxicity, even from my partners, like you're selfish. You don't think of the relationship. This is da, 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 da. I'm like, listen, at the end of the day, you're not giving me a reason to stay. If you give me a reason to stay, I will compromise and only go for a year and then I will come back to you. But you don't even want to talk about a potential future together and you expect me to stay here for you. That's not fair. And I also know I was raised in the bubble. Like I was really sheltered as a kid. And I was like, if I stay here, I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to be mature enough. Like I'm not mature at all. I, I need to use this chance to pull out the safety net and literally sink or swim. Like there's no other way to sink or swim than to go to a different country where you know no one. <laughs> if I stay here, I have the safety net of like my mom and stuff to be here. And I'll, I think that that safety net of comfortability is just too easy to fall back on. So I'm like, I need to, I need to YOLO and go or else I'm still going to stay a child mentality. And if you can't support that, then I don't know what to tell you because I can't stay here and have you drag, drag me down with you. If you're not willing to grow, I can't keep trying to help you anymore if you don't want to grow yourself, but I need to do this for me. Wow. And I went and there were so many fights. We wound up breaking up because I left. Um, we tried for a little while and I was the one trying to hold the entire relationship together and adjust to a new country and learn the language. And I kept eating peanuts and I'm allergic to peanuts. <laughs> So I kept going to the hospital. I'm just like, you know, something's got to give. I'm like, all right, sir. I, I wound up getting really, really sick one day. I'm like, I just need affection. I need something right now. And he's like, it's not my fault. You went halfway across the world. What do you expect me to do? And after that, I'm like, you know, that's my sign. I can't be with you. I, I'm sorry that you're hurt, but you know, I can't keep trying to hold this together. You put no effort. And it was heartbreaking because it was two and a half years of my life. But you know, at the end of the day, I've come to learn you have to take care of yourself and people who really love you and care for you will be there for you through thick and thin. And when life gets hard, that's when they'll really show themselves. And same thing with family. You have to learn to establish boundaries. And even though they might be trying to come come to you out of love, it doesn't mean you have to accept it. You have to establish that boundary. You have to do what's good for you. And they can learn to accept it in their own way or not. But don't let that control you. This is so good. And I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I think a lot of people will resonate and just your self-awareness in those moments is really admirable. So congratulations to you for like actually going through with it. And I hope it inspires someone to actually go through with it too, because I know it's so hard. And you had both experiences of withdrawing your application, of letting it get to you and then overcoming that. So very cool story. And I appreciate you sharing it. Were you able to find some support over in Korea while you were there going through all of these things? Ooh, child. Um, yes and no. Uh, predominantly because at the time, the the precious points when I was first there, I didn't get a chance to make too many connections like during the orientation because I was focused on trying to keep my relationship at the time together. So the time I could have spent going out with other students in the orientation, I spent making sure that 
because it's like a, what a 13 12 hour difference so I made sure I had free time to talk to the partner at the time to try and be like hey yeah I'm still thinking about you I still want to make this work hey let's do video dates so I can show you around Korea all this other stuff so I focus more on trying to keep my relationship together and rather than connecting with other people because I was so scared of losing that at the time unfortunately luckily I did meet a couple people which kind of boiled down to one by the time I left. Um, so I did have one good friend, but she was stationed like two hours from from where I was. Uh, so we could talk and we could text, but I was pretty much by myself um, in my, because I was in the country city of Buku. Um, mm -hmm. For those who don't know where Ulsan is, there's Busan and there's Daegu. And then right in between is Ulsan, which is a smaller country or city. And I was in Buku, which is more on the outskirts. So like you could walk down the street and there's like a field and people working in the field. So wow. I, I was literally like by myself. There wasn't a lot of other foreigners in my neighborhood. Uh, not many people spoke English or some people would run away if I tried to speak to them. Yeah, it was it was wild. But I eventually made some some support but not many so it was a very kind of isolating experience especially in the beginning understandable so can you tell us a little bit more about the application process to the program and what a day in your life as an English teacher was like sure uh for those thinking about applying to epic get started early because there's a lot to do um literally you have to write essays you have to uh get background checks criminal record checks you have to get things apostilled apostled however you say that word apostilled and you say you have to send it into the government and then they gotta take care of it for a couple of weeks and send it but it's wild so start early find out when they have the application process once it start once it opens make sure you start submitting stuff um, and even get started on your essays before they open. So you can just jump start on the process because it's very extensive. It takes a couple of months and you literally only get like maybe three or four months notice before you have to book your ticket to head out. And it, yeah, it's crazy. And it's pretty much roulette where you don't know where you're going until after orientation, you're already in Korea. Wow. So that's another thing is be open to other cities and experiencing other things because everybody wants to go to Seoul. When they think of Korea, they go to Seoul. But for this program, what I actually like about it is that you get the chance to see parts of Korea you normally wouldn't go to. So they will send you to the country country or they will send you to partial country city. It's all the luck of the draw. Uh, so be open and be flexible of where you go and be prepared to adapt um and when it also comes to the application process you don't need to know korean all you need really is a bachelor's degree in any subject um however you do need a, a tefl certification or teaching english as a first language certification and um, i do advise learning the, the basics of korea that can really help you on your resume and get some experience with kids so even if it's babysitting even if it's tutoring or something of that nature get some experience with kids so that way you can show that you can connect and that way you can show that you know how to interact with with children so that can help you uh, and then you go through a an interview process so you will interview with a um recruiter and uh nine times out of ten they won't have their face on camera just you so you'll be talking to a black screen <laughs> 
<laughs> so that can be beneficial or nerve wracking. <laughs> yes. Cause you don't know facial expressions. Mm-hmm. You're just like, did I say that or anything? <laughs> uh, so be okay with that. And um, be cognizant that it, it, it's going to be a process and it might be frustrating, especially if you have to switch out things a lot, but be patient and organized as possible and you'll be able to get through it because trust me, it's worth it. I hope that that even, was that even clear enough? That Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's super helpful. So start early and there's a lot to it, but don't give up. <laughs> and then once you got there, what was a day in your life like teaching? Oh, so uh, I got very lucky where some teachers had two or three schools, different schools they had to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's wild. Like, yes, another thing. You might get multiple schools. <laughs> For me, I got lucky enough to go to only one school. Um, I was the only foreign teacher in that entire school. And I was the only I was the very first black person and black woman in that school. So that was a very entertaining situation. Um, but typical day in life, wake up, morning routine, get ready, uh, hop my bus, hop the little blue bus to to work. Uh I usually got to work around 30 to 45 minutes early so I can have my peace and quiet before any anyone else gets there. Help clean up the teacher's room a little bit, say hi to my kids who are running around and uh, review lesson plans because you do have to create lesson plans, create games like PowerPoint games and stuff. Make sure I had all of the supplies necessary for my classes for the day, review my schedule. Uh, you can have anywhere up to six different classes per day. So I taught 24 classes a week which equates to about 700 students per week. Wow. Uh, yeah, grades three, four, five, and six. So I had to adjust my lessons depending on the grade and depending on what their levels were. Uh, so I made sure I knew who I was teaching for the day, got myself together. I met up, said hello to the other teachers in the room. For me, there was nine other people, nine other Native Korean teachers in the room. I had three different teachers I worked with on a daily basis. So I would just converse with them to run over, okay, what are we doing today? Do we have everything? Do we have the treats, whatever? And then we would go off to our classes and teach them. They're about 45 minutes a piece, 30 to 45 minutes a piece. So we would just go, we would teach together. We already have what we separated, um, only 10 minute break in between each class. <laughs> so back to back to back to back, had lunch, then back to back to back to back. Uh, and then after classes were over, essentially... That was around 2.45 and we were there until almost five o'clock. So the last three hours I would prep for the next day, uh, interact with the kids in the hall. Whenever I walking around, we would do cartwheels, whatever, you know, I'm a big kid too. It's like, <laughs> why not bond with the children? And then, yeah, prepare for the next day, talk to co-teachers, do what I got to do. And yeah, that's pretty much a day in the life of a teacher. Cool. And through the program, did you have any opportunity to explore other parts of Korea? Were there any field trips or anything like that? Field trips with the school? No, because I had to teach during the field trip days. Mm. But outside of Korea, outside, not outside of Korea, outside of teaching, when we had days off, because they have their own holidays where we can get days off as well. Um, I did have the opportunity to travel around to Korea. I went to Busan, I went to Daegu, I went to Seoul a few times. I also went to Jeju Island, which was really, really fun. Totally recommend Jeju Island. Uh, they have a, a volcanic cave that you can go into and explore. They also have a bunch of museums. They also they have a life-size figurine museum. So if you're a nerd and into like Iron Man, they have a room with all the Iron Man suits. It's pretty cool. Uh, and I got to go to several other places as well. And 
hiking that one of the highest mountains that was a mistake <laughs> first time hiking highest mountain don't know how I got roped into that but yeah I got to explore a lot of places Korea is beautiful a lot of nature lots of interesting places to explore but know that you can get to a lot more places if you have a car because that's where the really nifty like coffee shops are or like really isolated areas that's another thing in Korea the shady parts that looks like sh like shady aspects to us Americans, like alleyways and stuff, are actually pretty normal and have the coolest spots in Korea. So you're not going to die. <laughs> pro tip. But, yes, pro tip. So yeah. That sounds amazing. And can you just talk a little bit more about what was the most rewarding and the most challenging aspect of this whole experience? The challenging aspect was working on my mental health while I was in isolation over there. And especially because I was there during COVID. So when COVID first, first happened, I was there by myself. I was like, am I going to die <laughs> alone in another country? So it was learning the language, which was really difficult for me, especially uh, with my learning style. I get overwhelmed sometimes if I'm trying to learn. But then whenever I tried to speak Korean, there were many people who either ran away or they wanted to speak English. So then you get so used to being comfortable in speaking English that the motivation is kind of lost of learning the language. So trying to keep myself motivated to learn was one thing. Um, handling the medical stuff there, because I do have a medical condition. So having to go to the hospitals and when I was sick and stuff was incredibly challenging, overwhelming and frustrating. Um as well as checking my American privilege and checking the closed-mindedness that I didn't realize I had, uh, especially when it came to cultural differences. Because within the Korean culture that I noticed is that they're not direct. They kind of talk in circles if they have an issue. And here in America, it's like, just tell me what's wrong so I can fix it. And over there, it's like, oh, hierarchy type thing. And they have to go by these rules and it can get frustrating where I'm like, hey, please tell me if I'm doing something wrong. Oh, no, 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 you're perfect. You're fine. And then you mess up and they're like, I don't like how you do this. I asked you. Um, but it's recognizing like, oh, OK, this is just how the culture works. And I need to know how to communicate that's better for them, because at the end of the day, this is their country. This is how they work. I need to be more open to that. Uh, so conquering that, oh, why aren't they just behaving the way that I'm used to? That's something I had to really put in check very quickly. And I'm like, oh, okay. It really opens your mind. So that was one of the challenge most challenging parts. But the most rewarding part for me were my kids, were my students, because they taught me that connection transcends language and it transcends culture. And a predominant example of that was one of my boys when he, I had him from fourth, no, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Mm, no, third, fourth, fifth, third, fourth, and fifth grade. And when he was in fourth grade, he, I think he had ADHD. He was a very, very hyper child. He couldn't focus. He was struggling a lot. He didn't really um, he couldn't really write his letters at all. He's always getting up and running around the classroom. I'm like, hey, honey, you need to sit down. <laughs> What's happening? And I, I never got the proper training to understand how to work with students who had special needs. So I had to learn as I go. And during the end of our semester, we were giving the kids a test to see how much, like, how they, how much they learned, you know, fourth graders in a test. I mean, it makes sense, right? And he was struggling. 
So every time we had a question on the board, the students had to write it in their notebook, but he, but it was going too fast for him. And I noticed, I'm like, okay. So put the question on the board. I would run over to him and squat and I was asking him, so what's the answer? He would actually say the answer, but he couldn't write it because he just didn't have the ability to write that fast. So I would write the answer on the desk because we had a whiteboard desk and he would copy it into his notebook that way. So I would run back and forth at least four or five times asking him the question personally, him saying it, I'm like, great, write it on the desk. And my co my coworker, my co-teacher was getting annoyed. She's like, what are you doing? Just ignore him. It's not worth it. That's what they would tell you. If there's a special needs student, oh, just ignore them. Just, just focus on the majority. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. He actually wants to learn. And after like the fourth time of running over to him and squatting down, I was writing the answer on his desk. And he just looked up at me and he's like, thank you, teacher. Mind you, he didn't speak English. He barely spoke any English, but he gathered enough of what he knew to just say thank you. Aww. And my, I nearly cried in that moment. I'm like, oh my God, my baby. And when I left uh, in February, he came back again to give me a goodbye present, which was like a little paper doll he made. And he brought another student that was also special needs who didn't speak English, who always shrank into himself when I went near him. And that student who would run away from me, he actually had someone help him write thank you teacher in English on a piece of paper and gave me candy to say goodbye and say thank you. So it was those moments that made me feel like I, even if I couldn't connect with coworkers very well, it made me feel like I did something by connecting with these kids and having them interact with me, despite how much they struggled with the actual lesson, you know? Wow. That's just, that is so rewarding. And that's so memorable. And like, you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. And they're going to remember you for the rest of their lives. And it's just <laughs> really sweet and kind of just brings it full circle as to why some of these things are worth it. God, <laughs> it's such a sweet <laughs> story. Definitely. So you mentioned that you left, you're back in the US. So can you just walk us through a little bit what prompted that decision and what you're up to now? Uh, what prompted the decision was essentially my mental health was declining. Uh, quite honestly, it was a it was a struggle. I was there for three and a half years. I just felt like the longer I was there, I wasn't really getting the help that I needed because mental health really isn't acknowledged as much there as it is here in America. Yeah, we still have our issues here in America, but over there, it's definitely like, hey, you can't talk about depression. You can't talk about your feelings. So being so isolated, being there during COVID, not really having any super close friends near me, and just having a lot of like trauma that happened there, despite the good experiences, I'm like, I need, I need a break. Uh, I need a break in somewhere comfortable. I need to go back to an American hospital so I can get myself checked out for my medical conditions that were going wonky. I just need a break in familiar surroundings. So I decided in my gut, I knew it was time to leave, just like when I knew it was time to go there. Uh, and that's when I bought my plane ticket and decided I'm not going to renew. I'm only going to renew my contract for six more months. And then I'm dipping in February. And that's what I did. Came back to Philly this past February. So very recent. And I lived in Philly for about a month, moved to Pittsburgh for three months to completely like isolate and reset my mind, came back to Philly. And I've been here since, again, since July. 
Um, and I've been working on some passion projects now that I'm rebuilding myself. I have two podcasts that I'm building. I designed my portfolio website as I'm looking for a new position and I'm looking to build my career as a creative. Um, I have a couple books that I'm working on. Like I said, the podcasts and just building the life that I actually always wanted, but was too afraid to build before. So that's, that's what I'm working on now. <laughs> I love that so much. And I just appreciate how open you've been through all of this. I appreciate how inspiring you are. You are going after it and you're willing to talk about it. And I think this is just the message that someone will need to hear. So I thank you for sharing all of that. And if people want to learn more about you and your, po- your projects and your podcasts, can you tell us where to find you online? And I will link it all in the show notes so people can find it more easily. No, sure thing. And like, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And just talking about my babies. Oh, I miss Absolutely. Um, where you can find me. So my personal page is just Nikki B and I K I just one K Nikki B. That's me um, on Instagram and Nikki B. That's me.com for my website. And in terms of my podcasts, one is the Melanin Muses podcast and that's on Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast from. And then the next one that's debuting in January is Anime Go. So if you're a nerd, then then check that out. And everything is revamping. Melon Muses is getting a revamp as well. And that's launching in January again. But our old our old episodes are up there. So check that out. Awesome. Well thank you so much for being here, Nikki. I really appreciate appreciate your time and your stories and your insight. And to everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Wait, before you go, if you are here because you are exploring your travel options, I am excited to share with you that I've just revamped my free offerings to help you on your journey. Whether you need help budgeting for a career break, saving money for a trip, or learning how to effectively apply for a remote job, I've got you. Visit the link in the show notes or go directly to www.travelshifters.com slash freebies to download what you need. And don't hesitate to let me know what you think. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, Come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.